The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Strategies to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. How is it that some CEOs are able to go the long distance, run great companies, keep great teams, and make things happen over an extended period of time? Do you think maybe it's because they have the ultimate edge or that they know what the ultimate edge is? Maybe it is. And to find out more about that, Jerome Wade, welcome to the show. Awesome, Joel. Thanks so much. Looking forward to our time together. And just want you to know how much I appreciate you and the work that you're doing. Uh, you always drive results and you always bring solutions. So I appreciate that about you. Hey, well, thanks. So this ultimate edge thing, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, in our society, we talk a lot about short-term results. We talk a lot about making numbers. Uh, you're really thinking about the long-term, not so much the financial viability of the long-term. What exactly are you talking about? Yeah, well, let me just go backtrack just a little bit in my entrepreneurial and executive journey. I've launched and led two nonprofit organizations and three for-profit companies. And when I was leading one uh, nonprofit and one for-profit simultaneously, I found myself while the organizations were crushing it, I was at the end of my rope. What I had done was drove so hard for success, I drove myself into the ground. Now I was structuring the organizations for long-term viability from an organizational perspective, uh, but what I was ignoring was what was taking place within me. And so I suffer the consequences of that. And I see this all over the place. Every day that I have conversations with executive leaders, they are looking for answers because they want the long-term success, but they know they're at risk. And there's a number of factors that are at risk. I mean, it's their personal health. Uh, it's the health of their organization. It's the profitability, the bottom line that drives a lot of corporations. But then it's also the people that matter most to them. And so I think it's something that we have to look at because the reality is this is a global issue. It's a global pandemic with executive leaders, entrepreneurs, business owners, but they are looking for real answers. And that's where the ultimate edge comes. How can we drive for success without putting at risk or losing what we love? So, so really just kind of put our arms around this in kind of a, a clear way. Uh, what you're saying is that a lot of uh, entrepreneurial and uh, executive people in corporate environments kick butt so hard that they actually burn themselves out. They burn their families out. They burn out the people that are important to them. And, and really, ultimately, I imagine the organization must suffer in the long run. 
Well, absolutely. It's always going to uh, affect the bottom line of the organization, which is the last thing we want it to affect. But the reality is, yeah, that's, you're exactly right, Joel. And what I'd say, it's, it's even an issue that goes beyond burnout, right? We're talking about a, a phrase that I have coined now. I call it executive fatigue. And it's exactly what we're saying. Listen, we are driving so hard to get results. We drive so hard for organizational growth, for market position. We drive so much to make sure that the organization itself is winning. And yet, personally, relationally, physically, emotionally, mentally, uh, we're losing. And so that's where the ultimate edge comes into play is let's take a more holistic look at what success really is. And maybe I would like to present the the argument that maybe we need a new definition of success because at the end of the day, if we've driven that organization to success, but we've lost everything that matters to us, I don't care who you are. That's not being a success. You know, let's, let's put success aside for the second. Yeah. Um, Companies hire CEOs and executive teams to accomplish objectives Right. And if that objective is to drive a certain amount of market share, mm-hmm. drive a certain amount of uh, market capitalization, value in the company, stock price, uh, profit to the bottom line, uh, if they define success that way, uh, who are you to define it in a different way? Is there, is there a conflict between your definition and, and what, what other people want? Well, I think in, in a corporate environment, you are going to have to make some adjustments. You could, we could say you have to acquiesce to the metrics and motivations of the corporation itself. However, that doesn't mean you have to personally redefine or use that definition of success for yourself. So you have responsibilities. There's expectations placed on you by your position, whether you're the guy at the, the top in the corner office or you're somewhere in between. Uh, but the reality is it's, a, it's really an inner game that you have to come to, to terms with so that you can continue to meet those metrics. You can meet the demands, the pressures that are on you, but really it's, it first starts with the inner game of the individual. So while you have external pressures, the reality is when you are internally centered, those external pressures don't create that, uh, that levels of executive fatigue that I talk about because you are addressing fatigue at its core, which is an inner game. You know, a lot of people talk about the inner game. They talk about, uh, you know, remember the, the, the book, The Inner Game of Tennis. Sure. I mean, you know, uh, they talk about, uh, you know, everybody who works with athletes always talks about the inner game, that, that, that a lot of the, the, the success is mental, and mm-hmm. that's for sure. Uh, tell us about how uh, mental or the inner game, the mental state yeah. affects business leaders. Well, absolutely. First of all, let me, let me go beyond just the mental state, right? The mental or uh, the mindset game, because I really, we, we have to identify the five core, what I call energy centers that we have as individuals. Of course, it's mental energy. We have physical energy. We have emotional energy. Then we have relational energy. That's just the relationships that matter most. That's our spouse, our family, friends, colleagues, but then there's the spiritual energy. So we have five dimensions of, of who we are that are a key part of the, what I call the inner game. And so what's important though, is that we have to look at them holistically. So if we just, for example, focus on one, there's going to be four that are at risk or four that are going to be drawing from the one that is fueled. So that's, we bring a solution to that, that looks at the five core energy sources. All right. So it's a physical game. It's an emotional game. It's a mental game. It's a spiritual game and it's a relational game. And so those uh, aspects, once we start understanding the holistic approach of that, then we can really create the energy that fuels the long-term success that we want. So the inner game is far more than just the mindset. Like when you're talking about the inner game of tennis, it's, it's far more than just the mindset or the mind game. 
that we have to engage in. It's, it's, it's far more comprehensive. So give us some examples. Help us understand, you know, what are some of the things that uh, successful executives do who manage their mental state and also uh, manage, you know, all the other aspects of, of the energy that you're talking about? You know, what are they doing to get the kind of results that they want? Okay, so let's take, let's go through those five energy uh, centers that I talked about there, those five core energy sources. So the, the strategy behind these is to find those things that fuel you because the demands of life, the demands of leadership are always going to draw from us. So we have to be very intentional about how we refill the tank. How do we fuel our energy sources? So let's take the, the mindset, which is the one that is the most popular. So there's several things we can do from a mental perspective, but the number one strategy to create mental energy is actually the discipline of turning the noise off. I mean, we live in a digital world. We are getting bombarded with, you know, text messages, notifiers, uh, social media indicators. We're, we've got people hitting us with email and everything else that's happening, and we never shut off. So the guys and the gals that are ultimately driving themselves into the ground have not learned the discipline of shutting the technology off. And it's not just technology, it's the noise. So part of that comes through just uh, moments where we have silence and solitude, whether that's for five minutes or, or longer, some are 20, 30, or some an hour, where they just have nothing but, but silence and solitude so that they can decompress and you know, create their own energy for the day. Uh, others are, so when we talk about physical energy, which is a big part of our, you know, the person and performance, then that gets to some simple strategies on what our nutrition plans are and what our activity plans are. So for those that are the, at the top of their game that I see the highest percentage of them are very engaged in very intentional nutrition plans. And let me just give you a, a couple of caveats to that. One nutritional strategy is to do everything you can to eliminate sugar almost in every form from your diet because sugar is going to actually not give you energy. It's going to give you short bursts of energy, but it doesn't last. It's actually going to deplete energy sources. So you want to remove sugar from your nutrition plan and then start focusing on what's clean, what's green, what's lean. And so now you are, you are putting the high octane fuel into your body. Now, so that's a nutrition side of it. And it's just simple solutions there. The other side of this is to also then get active. What kind of physical activity are you engaged in? Now, I've done everything from Ironman events to the, just the 5K run down the street. Just recently, a few months ago, I trekked to Base Camp Everest. So I like endurance sports. I like adventure sports, but I'm not talking about having to go to that extreme to create the physical energy that you're looking for. It's just getting your body active. You got to get that blood pumping. You get to get that, the sweat pouring because what happens then it actually energizes by the expense of physical energy. You re-energize yourself so that you can actually sustain longer term performance. So we're just talking about two of those now. Then we, we go to the emotional aspect. Yeah, go for it. I kind of imagine that high-level uh, executives, uh, celebrities, certain people that are under the, under the microscope of our society, especially in this digital world, they must have strategies to turn off uh, their digital uh, material. Some of the stuff that gets said about them is so vicious and so nasty. It's oh, it terrible. is. And so they, they must have strategies where they shut the stuff off or they'd go crazy. So yeah. what, what are some of the strategies that they use to turn, turn off? Is, is it literally just turn it off and you don't look at it? I mean, is it that simple? Uh, well, uh, yes. The answer to your question is yes. Here's, here's a couple of them. This has baffled me. So when I go in and train a corporation or an organization on, you know, performance strategies, you know, bringing the ultimate edge to them, 
when I show them that there is a do not disturb on their digital device, right? They, for the first time in their life, the lights come on. They're like, I did not know that there is a do not disturb on my phone. I did not know that there's a do not disturb on my computer or my laptop or my, my tablet. And so that's a simple way to stop a lot of the noise. Uh, but the other one reality is just shut them off. I mean, I have heard stories of executives where they, when they get home from work, when they get home from office, they put their digital devices in a closet and they don't even look at them until when they get up in the morning. Right. And so it can be just as simple as turning it off. But then there's also the pressure of, well, what if I get that urgent email? And what if that client needs this? And what if something is broken? Well, that is reality that we have to deal with. But those are very rare that they actually happen. So how, how do you how do you balance that? I mean, how do you balance uh, your personal freedom mm-hmm. uh, from an emergency or maybe you separate the devices somehow? Well, it, it, it is challenging because the reality is like for me, I don't have a home phone anymore. My wife has her own digital phone. I have my own mobile phone. So we don't have a home phone that somebody could actually call us if there was a, an emergency situation. So you would think that you have to keep those on. But those are just decisions that you have to make. I mean, one of the first keys here in, in moving your life to the next level with the ultimate edge is you've got to decide what matters most to you. And for me, I want to be available to my clients. I want to be available to those who need me, but I can't be available 24-7. Or if I am, then I'm going to find myself where I was eight years ago at the end of my rope, battling to find my way back. You know, ironically, uh, it's not in their best interest uh, for you to be available 24-7 either. No. It may sound attractive, but it's not in anybody's best interest. No, it's not. No, it's not good from a relational perspective, but from a business, uh, you know, structure and strategy, you just cannot sustain it. So let's create sustainable strategies that still produce the results we want that enable us to create the life we want as well. So part of how I would, I would deal with this is I would set up uh, some business rules or ground rules mm-hmm. about you can call me between these hours, you can do this, uh, you know, you set up some rules. I mean, what, what is it that you do that's different than that or, or how do you line up? Well, I just, I just decided that uh, very rare as I've looked through the catalog of conversations that I've had with clients and opportunities, is it a, a literally, it's a life or death situation. Those happen very rare. So you just accept the fact that somebody's going to be disappointed, but you explain to the client, listen, my family life is the top priority for me. And when I leave in the evenings, I'm not on the clock. I'm not available. You know, the, funny, the funny thing is, uh, you know, first of all, uh, those of us in business, unless you're a medical doctor or hospital personnel, there are, we, we don't deal with medical emergencies where there's life and death. I mean, so yeah. uh, an emergency to us is a financial report didn't get printed on time. <laughs> I mean, the truth is somebody may disappoint, be disappointed they didn't receive it today, but the truth is uh, there isn't really anything we can do that uh, can't wait till tomorrow. There may be some small monetary penalty or some inconvenience, uh, but the truth is that that's just not what we do. And uh, I, I guess it's part of our digital instantaneous world. And this has been going on for a while that everything is an emergency. And when you live that everything is an emergency, you're just one inch away from an emergency yourself. (laughs) Look at it from this perspective, because we've got to have to, we have to identify the inner game is identifying what's really motivating us, right? Not motivating us to get work done, but what are the motivators um, that are um, some ways manipulating us to perform, right? At levels that we maybe not are even capable of. So the key factor here is fear is driving so much of the digital on, right? We have to keep it on because what happens if I don't? So we live in fear of disappointment. We live in fear of the missed opportunity. We live in fear of the upset client. We live in fear of whatever. So one key strategy is to identify what's really motivating the need to have the technology on 
you know, 24 uh, seven. And you'll, you'll realize that most of that comes from a, from a motivator of fear. And so how do you counsel people to uh, move away from that? I mean, like, what's your advice? Yeah. Well, it's, it, you come back to that first uh, step is to identify the kind of life that you want. You have to know exactly what it is that you want. Part of that is the redefinition of success. So what I, what I help people do is move from a definition of success to a definition of significance. And the way I define significance is this. It's how can I make the biggest impact on the people that matter most and leave my fingerprints of influence on the world? That's significance to me. So, but that means in order for me to be able to do that, I've got to put in place the right strategies, the key um, disciplines, so that I am not setting myself up for failure, that I'm setting myself up to win, to live that uh, mission of being, um, you know, significant in the lives of others. So, you've, you just have to come back to what is it that you really want, and then permission. Give yourself permission to turn those things off, to say no to the opportunities that may, that you, maybe even sometimes you've dreamed of because they are not going to get you the end game that you're really looking for. Pretty interesting. I mean, it's um, in a certain way, it sounds so simple, but I imagine that uh, the simplicity is what makes it hard. <laughs> well, inside the simplicity, it addresses the complexities right? What keeps it from being so simple? Because a lot of this is no brainer stuff. This is, it's not like we just woke up one day and created this new solution. It's, it's really been solutions that have existed, you know, since man began. But the reality is there's complexities attached to it because of the inner game. It's the inner motivators. So, one of the key strategies though, and revelations for me, Joel, way back in the day, seven, eight years ago, when I was at the end of my rope, is I had to go through a process of self-discovery and what I realized was the unresolved aspects of our life are the thing that is driving us the most. And for many people, especially executive leaders, we are unaware of its influences. So we could go back and we could look in that rear view mirror of even some past wins because previously the organization, we went from an average rate of growth of 12% a year for seven years, built a multi-million dollar facility, went from 12% to 48% growth. Once we opened the doors, we went to 59% growth the second year, 67% growth the third year. All right, top of our game. But in that drive is where I had spent everything I had to, to, to make that happen. But that's where you have to come back and look at the reality. What was really driving me, right? Now, I'm a visionary. I, I'm just like most any executive. I want to win. I want to see those numbers. I want to see the growth. I want to see the impact. I, I want to own this industry, this market, or the mission that we are setting out to accomplish. Uh, but we also have to come back to that reality and say, all right, let's, let's understand what's really motivating us. And that was a key surprising discovery for me when I realized that there was some things in my rearview mirror, some wins and some losses through my life story that were actually pushing me, tipping me to, to do more or to try to become more than really maybe even what I was ready for. So you said that there were, uh, there's these five different, uh, what'd you call them, approaches? Energy sources, yeah. Okay, sources. Um, how do we deal with some of the other ones? How, yeah. how do these other ones come into play and how do, you know, how do some of these things help people to, you know, get on the right track and, and be mm -hmm. pointing in the right direction? Yeah, so we've, the first two that we talked about was, you know, finding mental energy. Uh, we talked about emotional energy. The relational aspects are very important. And that is, you know, be building and prioritizing the relationships that matter most. Here's what I hear from many executives is that they lost their children in their pursuit of building their corporation. 
their kids. Some of them don't even want to talk to them. Uh, some of them hate them. Some of them, the relationship is so strained and nobody wants that. I, I've never met anybody that said, oh, that's what I really wanted. But you hear it in their tone of voice, the regret. So when you change the priority saying, all right, listen, here's what matters most. And this is why I have to prioritize family, why I, why I prioritize the relationships that matter most is because they are energy inducers. They infuse us with energy instead of becoming energy reducers. And so that's a key strategy there is looking at that core source of relationships. Then we have to look at the spiritual side of this. And I'm not here to tell anybody what they need to believe other than don't ignore the spiritual aspects of who you are as a person, because that's really talking about the deep core of your soul. And so that again, like the mindset can come from moments of solitude and silence or meditation and prayer. You know, what's really sad about the, uh, these executive people that lose their families is I'll bet you somewhere deep down in a certain way, those executives are actually working for their families. Oh, sure. Not for the relationship of their families, but so they, they can give them the money. Sure. Give them the output of, of their hard efforts, you know? And, yeah. Uh, you know, and that's probably somewhere driving them. But what's happened is they've ignored the human element of it and, and the whole thing falls apart and it really, and they, they end up leaving the money. They, they, they probably do end up giving them the money and that, and that sort of screws up the kid anyway, because they didn't get good grounding from the parents. No, you're exactly right. I mean, you're, you're spot on with that. And I, I, I don't think their intent was ever to, to have that be the end result, but their intent was to do good. And in fact, what ended up happening is that it, uh, it was counterproductive for them. So, yeah, and then that's kind of why the ultimate edge, it's the ultimate edge is why the drive for success without losing what you love, because at the end of the day, what do I really want? What do I really love? Well, that's the life that I want to create. Yeah, that's really... That's really incredible. So these guys that, uh, that learn to have uh, better uh, self-control of, of these five sources of energy and so forth, uh, do you think that they end up being more productive and financially successful than other people? I mean, do you think that, that these things are correlated? Well, there's no question that the performance, the productivity is going to be at, at higher levels, at maximum levels of output. Then the reality is if the performance and productivity are there, then we can also trust that the profitability of the organization is going to be there. But the end game really is not just performance, productivity, profitability. It's about the people that we have now chosen to intentionally live a, a meaningful life with. So now they're winning on all cylinders, right? So there, there's five P's that we can win. Performance, productivity, profitability, the person themselves, and then the people in our life. And so that's part of redefining success to a life of significance that I'm not just looking at one, two, or three of those, the, the P's of, of success is that I'm looking at all five of them. I'm winning, my family's winning, the organization's winning, relationships, friendships, colleagues, teams, the business, we're winning. And so that for me is what's highly motivating when I begin to see that transformation take place. I hear a lot of irony here because, you know, it seems like, well, if I, if I soften up and I focus on all this other stuff, I'm not going to be focused on the money. And if I'm not focused on the money, the money's not going to come. But in a certain way, what it, what it sounds like is that when you, you take a little step back and you focus on some other things, maybe even more money comes because you just end up attracting it to yourself because you end up, uh, you know, just being better at getting other people to absolutely. If you say, I'm going to work less, then, uh, you know, then you basically are encouraging other people to work a little more. Yeah. No, I hear you, Joel. So check this out. So when you are able to take care of yourself, this is, this is kind of the dichotomy. It's like, we've got to be selfish 
but in being selfish, and I, when I, I'm being very uh, kind of flippant saying that, but you, we've got to be selfish, meaning let's take care of ourselves. But when we take care of ourselves, that's when we are able to live selfless. So you're exactly right. There's more of us that's available for our spouse. There's more of us that's available for our children. There's more of us that's available for our grandkids or for our neighbor or for our colleagues. There, we now become more self-aware, more present in just everyday conversations, even with uh, those that work for us or those that work with us. We become more present and uh, our, the, the, our interactions become more powerful because now our full person is engaged in whatever human interaction that we have. So being selfish is one of the greatest strategies of becoming selfish, selfless. So it's, it's, a, it's a powerful result. You know, it opens up an interesting question, uh, you know, about if uh, this doesn't apply to hourly workers and people that have to be somewhere to interface with the public, but if let's say you're, you know, an executive type person, if you had half as much time to do your whole job, <laughs> what would you, what would you do differently? And that's yeah. really a good question to think about. If I only had half as much time to do the exact same amount of output, what would I be doing? Because then you could apply the remainder amount of time to the other things that you're talking about. Absolutely. Well, I think that's a great question. And especially for those that are, that own the companies you know, executive leaders should be in control of their schedule. Now, I I realize they've got pressures and they've got responsibilities and they've got to answer maybe to their board of directors or whoever it might be. But in reality, they should be the ones who absolutely 100% control their schedule. And so, the excuses that we've had is I've just got too many meetings, I've got too much of this, are really bad excuses because as an executive leader, you have the power to determine the day, the schedule, the, the meetings that you have. And so give it's part of that is just giving yourself permission to make changes to how you've normally done it. Find a bigger, better way to get bigger, better solutions. Yeah. I love that. Well, listen, um, if people want to learn more about the, about the ultimate edge, how do they, uh, how do they do it? Where do they go? How awesome. Do they Awesome, Joe. Thanks for that. Well, if they go to jeromeway.com, you'll find everything that you need to there. And I'd like to encourage the audience to take my fatigue assessment. It's a quick survey that's going to show you whether you're in the red zone, the green zone, or the yellow zone of fatigue and how it's affecting you. And that all you have to do is go to jeromeway.com slash yes, take that quick survey, and I'll immediately send you some solutions to help you change the game to get the ultimate edge in your life, your leadership, your family, so that you can drive for success without losing what you love. Well, I'll tell you what, it sounds to me like getting the ultimate edge is, is, is a good way to get the inside track and profit from the inside is all about having the inside track and doing things the best way, the most profitable way, the fastest way, the sharpest way, and uh, certainly being able to play into the long run and not having the fatigue and the kinds of issues that you're talking about. Um, the ultimate edge sounds like it's, uh, it's the ticket. Awesome. Joel, thanks for getting to hang with you, man. Hey, listen, thanks for being on the show. Awesome. Take care. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Strategies to give your business the inside track. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. How about a shout out and a giant thanks to my podcast producer, David Wolf, and his team at Podcast and Radio Networks. Profit from the inside simply wouldn't be what it is without David and his team. For more information or to learn how you can launch and produce your own podcast, reach out to podcastandradio.com. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.